touchdown or turnover by Balco with 10 Federal Credit Union, the place where you belong, better rates and better service. Two coaches right now, college football, at one point was on the top of was at the top of college football. Just a few short years ago. Was at the top. One was undefeated. One was the talk of the town. One on one went on to beat a championship caliber, championship chasing football SEC team in Auburn. That's what Central Florida did when Scott Frost was there. They went undefeated. Proved that they belong. Proved that they deserve respect. And they got our respect. Claimed themselves national champions. Jeff Frost was the talk of the town. He was number one on a lot of people's list who had an opening. Ed Orgeron, undefeated season. LSU. A few short years ago, had the arguably the best season in college football history. Blowing teams out. Had a great, tough schedule. Offensively broke more records that, that, that we can count off the top of our heads. But today, today they in trouble. Today they are in trouble. 2021. A few short years ago, man, they were on top. Touchdown turnover. Nebraska and LSU will have a vacancy after this football season, Ben. Touchdown turnover. LSU and Nebraska will have a football vacancy. Touchdown. Touchdown. I, I don't see Coach O or Scott Frost surviving. Now, I, I do hesitate just because Scott Frost is – is a former player, mm-hmm. and you never really know how a a school is is going to handle that. I think we we saw that with Holly Warlick and and the Lady Vols that that maybe Holly got a little bit longer of a leash than than she deserved because she she is a former player, and part of me is okay with that because I believe in treating your own the right way. And I think you've seen that with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I, I think if Jim Harbaugh wasn't a, a former Michigan quarterback, then then he would not still be the coach. Even with his NFL success, they they would have fired him by now if he weren't a, a Michigan man. Um, so that that kind of makes me hesitate with this answer, just because Scott Frost may get a little longer leash than than what he deserves because he's a, a former player. And, and quite frankly, I think he does deserve a former leash or a longer leash because he is a former player because he could have gone anywhere in the country to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. Could have gone to Florida. Probably could have gone to UCLA. Could have come to Tennessee. There, there were so many job openings over the course of two seasons in, in which he could have jumped on. Could have gone anywhere, practically. And he chose to, to go to Nebraska, which to me is an unwinnable situation. They, they, they can't recruit right now. They, they, I don't know that they're, they're ever going to be able to recruit like they once, once did. Nobody wants to go to Nebraska to, to play football. What, what, is, what is appealing about going to Nebraska to play football? It's, it's not. And there, there's not a, a natural – recruiting pipeline at Nebraska. They're, they're, they're not in a, a rich recruiting territory, which is, I think, their biggest problem, uh, at least with, with a place like Tennessee who can't get over the hump either. Great connections to Atlanta, the, the Carolinas, the, the state of Tennessee usually has a, a top prospect or two or three each and every year. Maybe Alabama, Mississippi will help you out, but up there at Nebraska, I mean, there there's – there's no help. So I think Scott Frost is, is a dead man walking, and I, I think Coach, Coach O is Gene Chizik 2.0. That's what, that's what I think Coach O is. And it, it already feels like fans are just – fans and the administration is, is just waiting on, on a moment for him to really slip up to, to get rid of him it's because a, they have so many issues. It, it looks like they have locker room issues. It looks like – 
they have personnel issues and and they have five and four stars littered all throughout that roster and and they have done nothing but underperform since the natty so i I know they won a natty like 17 18 months ago but this is a completely different football program and hard not to think that that joe burrow was what cam newton was to gene chiswick yeah uh title nine news is coming in the next 30 days or so for for coach ogeron and then you have this that happened with um you know john emory the the, the third or second it was the third i think it's the third he's a junior uh, second so john emory the second i think it's the third though anyways and, i saw a tweet with junior who knows okay. so how do you as a football program as a football coach have a player be ineligible because he took the wrong class like how does that happen well i'll tell you how that happens that's that's called uh, un- unorganized. You have academic advisors. You, in this case, using Tennessee as an example, there's the Thornton Center. And then you have someone that's the director for football. So they handle all the, you know, the football players. They make sure they're in the right classes. They're making sure that you know they are uh, in the right majors and they're taking the right classes for their majors. And you prevent this from happening. Like high school football coaches, they have, they have to do all of it, right? They got to make sure that, that the kids are, are passing classes and they're eligible. They got to cut the grass. They got to, you know, paint the field. They got to you know, raise money for the weight room. They got to raise money with the booster club. Like high school football coaches do all these things. They wear so many different hats. Well, college football coaches, they don't have to. This is why you hire a strength staff. This is why you hire a training room staff. This is why you hire – uh, academic advisor, um, so they can handle those things. And you have staff meetings with all of your directors very frequently. You get reports on your players in all areas of their life to make sure that you're on top of, um, you know, the things that they need to be doing. And for this to happen at LSU is a big-time drop of the football um, by someone and it is Ed Elgeron's program, so uh, you know it, it falls on his shoulders uh, at the end of the day. But I just think there's a lot of grenades around Elgeron. Uh, losing the UCLA is is one of them, but I don't think he'll be there. The thing about Frost is he loves Nebraska. There's no doubt about it, right? He passed up Florida, which is a top five job to go to Nebraska. He loves Nebraska, and maybe. Stepping aside is what you do when you love a place so much and you know that you can't get it done there and you don't want to cause any more harm. You want to fix it, but maybe you can't. Maybe you can't. And maybe you step aside and let somebody else do it because you love the place so much. So take that in consideration. Um, I think he deserves more time than Coach Ogeron for sure. Um, But I'm going to say touchdown. I think both of those jobs will be open. And, man, this is a great year to be looking for a coach. I think USC is in a really good spot, uh, honestly, because, you know, James Franklin is listening. James Franklin is listening. Yeah, and if, if you listen to, to, to those who cover college football nationally, the, the big-time national college football writers – or, or even people like Joel Klatt who are in the sport, they 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 talk about maybe some some funkiness between James Franklin and Penn State. Maybe there being a disconnect is the word that I was I was looking for. Very similar, in my opinion, to what you hear about Dan Mullen in Florida. That that maybe it's not the the best fit. Fans are getting a little impatient feel like they they should have more success by by now so it it wouldn't surprise me to see james james franklin listen to to usc he will listen to usc i think that's fair to say he listened to tennessee if he's going to listen to tennessee he's going to listen to usc i was waiting for you to get to the point because he did listen to tennessee (laughs) he listened to tennessee and if it weren't for the ncaa investigation he may be the coach of tennessee right now 
<laughs> so uh, if he's willing to, to do that and strongly consider Tennessee, then he's going to listen to USC, who is a top five job. Top five, top ten job in, in all of, of college football. So uh, I, I could see James Franklin listening. That, that would be a, an interesting dynamic. I'd be curious, curious to see how that works out. Scott Frost, just imagine how, how different it would be for him if, if he had taken the, the Florida job. And uh, I, I have this thought, but I also wanted to, to shout out Vaughn Birmingham because he, he mentioned the same thing on, on the text box. Think about where Scott Frost would be if he would have went to Florida instead of Nebraska. And I, I do think we would look at him in a different light. Like Nebraska has, in the meantime, sabotaged his career. Or, or brought it to a, a screeching halt. People do not look at Scott Frost in the same way. And, and I think it is 1,000%. Well, it, it can't all be on Nebraska's end because, I mean, Scott Frost has made some ridiculous comments even this season. I mean, he's a head but coach. The, the majority of it is, is a Nebraska issue, not a, not a Scott Frost issue. So I, I'd be curious to see where he bounces back, and, and I would bet on him bouncing back in, in a good way. And Nebraska needs to go get Jeff Munkin from Army. That that's who they need to go get, Jeff yep. Munkin from Army. And when that happens, man, you can go you can go to Nebraska and cover Nebraska too. No, man. no, because I, I like I like love some Jeff Munkin. No, I do because he's an awesome coach. He does not get enough credit for how awesome of a coach he is, and he's not married to the triple option. He has made that known, and he has turned Army into a a perennial 10-win football team. Granted, they, they don't play the stiffest competition every, every single week, but they win 9, 10, 11 games each and every year and then go win their bowl game. So, and, and he's done so with, with recruits who don't even have recruiting profiles. And, and that's why I would go get him if I'm Nebraska because that, that's essentially what Nebraska has to do is, is find diamonds in the rough and get them to campus and develop the mess out of them into into good football players. And that's what Jeff Munkin has done in Army. I think he would do the same at Nebraska. It's a good year. It's a good year to be looking for coaches, man. If you so, somebody's going to hire Jeff Munkin. I'm telling you. Somebody I've been telling will. you for two or three years. Somebody's going to hire Jeff Munkin, and he is going to have a tremendous amount of success wherever he goes. Let's get to Corrington Vall. Corrington Vall, good morning. My man, Jason Swain. What's good up? Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I just wanted to discuss something with you. You brought up before the the top of the hour break there about trying to decide between Hendon and Joe, and uh, it really got it got the wheels cranking for me. And I I love it like when you guys bring up stuff like that and it just gets the juices flowing. I love that. But I wanted to discuss uh, a little bit of that with you if if we could. Um, I don't know. Now, I'm not going to sit here and compare myself to you by any means because you actually made it to college and played receiver in college. But I do remember a lot of my days playing receiver in high school. And I I remember playing with a a quarterback that was really similar to Joe as far as, you know, that arm strength that you don't normally see, a big, strong, athletic guy that can move, that's a little bit underrated in the way he moves. Not the most mobile guy, but he can knock you down. But I remember in practice one day we were just discussing it, and I said, just just get it close to me. Just just throw that thing up there, and as long as it's within at least two to three feet of where I'm at, I'm going to get it. I, I was a taller guy, longer arm, really should have kept going on playing, but that's a different story for a different day. But anyway... And I, I don't know how you feel about this, Wayne. And I don't know, I'm not sure if I've heard you discuss it before, but Hendon is the top. And I, I like him. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not. I know I'm going to probably catch a lot of flack and hate for this from a lot of other people, but I like Hooker a lot. I like what he brings to the table. I think he's a solid player. He's a veteran for a reason. He knows what he's doing. But like you brought up, he does turn the football over, and. Just from my experience, now you, you you could probably expand on this much more so than I can, and I appreciate your insight. I, I, that's just one of the biggest reasons I listen to your show. That, and I like to give Ben old Bummy McBum face. I like to give him a hard time. <laughs> but 
It's all love, Ben. Ben didn't like that. Ben didn't like that. <laughs> uh, you got hit with your own stuff, Ben. <laughs> uh, he knows it's all love. We have a lot of friendly ribbon. But, uh, oh, man. No, um, a lot of one-sided yeah, you, probably... friendly <laughs> ribbons. <laughs> Sorry, I'll remember that next time you uh, ask me a question on the GQ. Uh-huh. Ignore. Ooh, shots fired. You're acting like Navy guy. <laughs> uh, oh, ooh. Oh, you ooh. like that one, don't you? <laughs> no. Ooh. God, I threw up a little bit. Ooh. Oh. But, uh, yeah, Swain, uh, but you, you could probably side with me on this one a little bit. Uh, I would personally, ju- and it's just me, I, give me the guy that could make the wow play. The guy that has that, that has that it factor. That I mean, I know he's been mixing up, missing on those deep throws, and I, I watched every single snap. Saturday, and I just I saw a lot of a lot to like and a lot to not like from both of them. I really did, and it's not all on them. And and you, you spoke about that yesterday or Monday, I believe. And I just truly believe that, given enough coaching, if he can be receptive to it, which is the difficult part with a lot of players, coaching's one thing, but actually studying it and being serious about your craft and understanding what you got to do and putting that work in and putting the work in with your receivers, that's big. That's, that's really, really big. But I just I want to I want to know what you think about what I'm saying as far as – I, I mean, I, I like Hendon, but the, the guy does turn the football over, but he is a smart player at the same time because he, he's a veteran. But Joe, the only time he's really turned the football over yet, which now, granted, I know it's only two games in. But Joe's only really turned that football over when he's gotten blown up because the offensive line has let somebody through. But yeah. I appreciate the time, guys. I know I talked long-winded, but I wanted to get that point out. My brain was just going this morning. I appreciate you guys. Hey, th- hey thank you, man. Thank you. And uh, you know, Ben and I talked about this during the break. Um, so, you know, we have a little different of opinion. And um, I'll I'll share mine. Uh, in more de- in, in detail here, and why I came to, you know, my opinion today. So, in 2004, two freshman quarterback quarterbacks came in. It was Brent Schaefer and Eric Ainge, and physically they could do things that Rick Clawson and C.J. Leak just could not do. C.J. Leak had a cannon. Um, Mobility, you know, was was okay. He, he did come off a really bad knee surgery when he was a quarterback at Wake Forest. He transferred here. Rick just, you know, he just he was a, he's a Clawson, so he ain't running. Uh, <laughs> and his arm, you know, strength was was what it was, right? And so there was a there was a battle, you know, during the spring, uh, during fall camp. And so Brent Schaefer won it, won the job uh, to be the starting quarterback against UNLV, and mainly because you know. I thought I thought him and Ainge actually were, were tied, but mainly because it was a promise uh, made to him that he would be the first black freshman quarterback to start an SEC in their first game, making history. And we made history. Um, Where's that, his statue? That night. He don't get a statue. Um, and so but, – but Ainge came in, and the reason for playing Ainge as a true freshman is because physically he gave you more. Like, he gave you more options. He kept defenses honest because he, he had an arm. He can throw it. Um, you know, he just allowed us to open up the playbook. And for a couple of games, it worked until the Auburn game. And then it didn't work because he had th- four interceptions. And, you know, that was the reason why we lost because of the interceptions and turnovers. Um, now, later on that year, we played Auburn in the SC championship game. Well, we was playing a different quarterback at the time. And we found ourselves in a dogfight in that game because we did a better job of taking care of the football. But we didn't have a lot of explosive plays in the passing game, but we did carve them up in the running game. I think Meacham, Meacham called touchdown pass in the red zone. I think it was like a slant, a post, skinny post. Uh, actually, it was against Carlos Rogers. My, my, what I'm trying to say is, my point is, coaches know that they can – have more options to open their playbook when you have someone physically to make all those type of throws. The moment where you worry about ball security and turnovers, and it doesn't matter if it's Coach Former, Jeremy Pruitt, 
Uh, it doesn't matter who the coach is. It's no different than a point guard in basketball. If a point guard is turning the ball over, it don't matter how great he shoots, how great he handles, or the, the, the great no-look passes that he, that he does throw. If you, you turn the football over, excuse me, turn the basketball over as a point guard, you can't play. You, 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 simple as that. You just can't play. And the same thing applies to playing the quarterback position. It doesn't matter how great you are, but if you turn the football over, you, that is the worst attribute that you can possibly have. We can deal with maybe not knowing the playbook as much. We can deal with some of the other stuff. But if you are turnover prone, ooh, that is bad. So I say all that to say, Hendon has developed a little bit of a um, rep here so far as out of the three quarterbacks turning the football over the most in, most in fall camp. And that scares the crap out of me. I saw what happened on Saturday. I knew who was better. But for Tennessee to beat some of these teams later in the season, uh, an improved Joe, I think, is how we're going to be able to do it. Now, if Joe stays the same, and this is where Ben and I differ, because, Ben, you feel Joe is not going to change. This is who he is. Mm -hmm. He's going to just overthrow dudes continually. It's it's not going to change. We're not going to see any improvement. He's a one-trick pony. So if you feel that way, then I totally understand shelving him and just forgetting all about him and going going with Hendon. I just feel like in two games, I'm not really I'm not re- willing to do that to to Joe in two two games of Tennessee. Uh I understand the, the history of Michigan whatever, but I'm judging him on his time at Tennessee. Just like I would judge any coach uh at that time in Tennessee, I'm judging Joe's time here at Tennessee and so far in two games, it hasn't been it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been great throwing the football all the time. But there are some some good things, and looking at the big picture, you're going to need those big plays from from him, and he has done a pretty good job taking care of the football, um, throwing the ball, and seeing the coverage, and not putting the ball in harm's way like we saw with, and again, it was just one throw from Hendon, but it is something that kept Hendon from the starting job is throwing the ball, Late, cross the middle, making bad reads, making bad throws, the other team picking the ball off. That happened in fall camp. So the turnover scared the crap out of me um, pr- more than the overthrows. That's how I feel today. I'm, I, I guess for me, I'm not as convinced that Hendon Hooker is turnover prone. He was there in fall camp. You are correct, obviously. You, you would know. Um, but that wasn't an, an issue for him in the spring, which is which is weird. How, how, how did you go from not turning the football over in the spring to to that being an issue in fall camp? And then you kind of look at his time at Virginia Tech and his first year starting, 13 touchdowns to two interceptions, which is really good. And then the in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, and then the next year he goes nine touchdowns, to five interceptions, which not horrible, but not good either. Definitely took a step back in interception or touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, and, and then even on Saturday, everybody's pointing out his his two turnovers. I'm I'm counting the the fumble as a fluke, or or maybe I, I should say I'm banking on on the fumble being a fluke, and maybe I end up being wrong. In this regard, and I'll I'll take my L if I do end up being wrong in the the fumble regard. The the interception is is worrisome, um, but the the fumble like I don't think that's something that we are going to consistently see from Hendon Hooker moving moving forward. He needed to have better awareness of of that particular situation and and. Um, better control of the football and, and not be so loosey goosey with the football in that situation. But the guys in front of him also failed. It was a play action rollout to the far side of the field, and before he could even start to roll out, the the left tackle and, and one of the tight ends just completely whiffed on, on their blockers, and he had two guys right in front of his face. So yes, he needs to to be much more secure with the football in that situation. And again, maybe I'll take an L on this, but I, I think that particular turnover is going to prove to be a fluke. So I'm not as concerned with Hendon being a, a turnover machine as I am 
with Joe's inability to adapt, inability to change. I, I think he is what he is at this point. Now, I don't, I don't believe we should just throw him to the side and, and just for, forget about him. I, I, I don't believe in that at all because he does have special arm talent. And, and I'm not just talking about the deep ball. You saw three to four intermediate throws uh, against Pitt in, in which you just kind of shook your head because why can't you do that consistently? You, you have such a, a great arm. I mean, it, it is the, the Jared Garantano. It reminded me of of the Florida game when JG misses a wide open Dominic Wood Anderson, and and then like two plays later on third and nineteen rifles a ball. Great come, it was a comeback. Two to three yards right behind the sticks or past the sticks to get the first down. Yeah, I remember that comeback throw. It was a great throw. Yeah, I so it's like why can't you do that more consistently? So I, I'm just I'm I'm not a huge fan of of Joe's game. Right now, I'm I'm just not. I I think Hendon brings more to the table. I really believe what I talked about the other day in, in terms of Darren Fall Camp. You, you talked about Joe makes the big plays. Joe makes the big plays. Joe makes the big plays. And Hendon's arm isn't going to to keep up with with Joe in the big play department. But I think Hendon can make big plays with his legs. And that is something that you can't account for during fall camp because the quarterback is not live. The quarterback is is in a non-contact jersey. So you, you're not going to see those big plays from Hendon Hooker with his legs throughout fall camp. So uh, I, I'm just right now with the small sample size that we have with, with both, uh, at least small sample size in their time at Tennessee – I, I'm just more of a fan of, of Hendon's game at, at the moment. And until Joe can, can show that he's willing to adapt, then then I, I would roll with Hendon. But I, I do not envy being Josh Heupel, Alex Golish, Joey <laughs> Halsley, because I, I, I do wonder where does Joe's head go if you do turn to Hendon? That, that, that is a concern um, to me. <clears throat> I don't know why you mentioned um... – Hendon um, in spring and Hendon Virginia Tech, I understand laying, laying down the foundation of saying, hey, like he wasn't turnover prone his whole entire life or his whole entire career. He did have a stretch where he d- took care of the football. Uh, but the same way I'm not dinging Joe for what he did in Michigan is why I think what Hendon did in spring and what Hendon did at Virginia Tech is irrelevant. It's what you do right now. It's what you're doing right now. It's how you're playing right now. Um, and, and right now, the reason why Hendon wasn't number one, um, you know, start the season was because was because of the, uh, of the ball security. Um, and that's that's number one. And, like, listen, I, I understand why someone and you would be rolling with Hendon right now because I'm rolling with Hendon. I'm rolling with Hendon right now. Um, in this, in the start of this football game, but I also know that for Tennessee to beat some of these teams later in the season, I think they're going to need Joe playing obviously at a better level than he, than he did in the Pittsburgh game. Because you got to look at our offense. Our offense is not an offense that's going to r- rip together ten, fifteen play drives because our our running backs are young. Our offensive line is thin. Our receivers are not where they need to be, and they're young. So the big chunk plays covers that. So, like, when you have an experienced unit offensively, man, you can go four plays, six plays, seven plays, excuse me, four yards, six yards, seven yards here, curl here, Hitch here, run here, and not worry about false starts and pre-snap penalties and going backwards because you can put together a 15-play drive. This offense, I don't know if we can do that. So now the the big chunk plays help you. It covers that stuff up. Well, who's going to be the best player providing those big chunk plays Joe. in the running game and in the pass game? Who can, who can do that for you? Well – it's Joe. If running, he improves. Correct. Running and passing. So I'm banking on him improving because I'm banking on 
coaches developing him and improving and him watching the film and going out and practice field each and every day and improving that and the receivers doing a better job of running through catches. Like I'm banking on when the guys actually go out and practice each day for two hours that they're actually getting better. Like that's what I'm banking on. And so when the time comes. That would be nice and hopeful. Yeah, when the time comes, well, I mean, dude, they got better from game one to game two. Mm-hmm. But when the time comes, I think you're going to need Joe. Like I think you're going to need Joe. Um, to make those throws, and you know, hopefully, <laughs> you know, when you play in South Carolina and you play in Kentucky, we don't see the same thing happening, you know, from September. Um, that's that's why I am hesitant. Man, I'm just like that's, right that's, now. That's right now, I'm like Hendon. Let's go. Let's roll Hendon, and it's Tennessee Tech, but. We're going to need some chunk plays against Kentucky. We're going to need those chunk plays against Missouri. We're going to need those chunk plays even, you know, be in the game against, you know, the, the, the Bamas and the, and, the, and the Georgias. Like, you've got to have to have those plays. And I just, I'm just not confident in the other two quarterbacks outside of Joe that we can really, really threaten defenses. Um, but, listen, I respect, your, I respect your opinion. Let, let me push 100%. back on that real quick before we get to Justin in Florida and TC. I'll, I'll make it super quick because I find it interesting – that I, I, I had a different thought in my head in, in that regard because I, I have more faith in Hendon leading an actual scoring drive that would consist of seven, eight, nine, ten plays that, that don't maybe consist of the 60, 70, 80-yard bomb but consist of the – eight-yard rush on third and five to pick up a first down. The the 13-yard, 16, 20-yard pass to Jacob Warren over the middle of the field and piecing together some, some run plays in there with Jabari Small and Tyon Evans. I have more faith in Hendon doing that than I do Joe consistently hitting the deep pass uh, a couple of times a game. Yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I, I, think, so, time, I think time will tell. Let's get to the phones. Because uh, the phone lines are are lit up, it is eight thirty seven on a on a beautiful Wednesday here in Knoxville, and uh, let's get to Justin in Florida. Justin, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, I actually wanted to. Uh, I was calling in with a fresh point, but you guys, I mean, yet again, are stealing a little bit of my thunder. <laughs> I would like to see the offense maybe adapt a little bit because it seems like it's either the short passing game or taking the deep shot. And my question is right now, once we get into SEC play and we've got SEC defensive fronts, giving our quarterbacks not a ton of time to air it out downfield, mm. who can hit those intermediate passes? And, you know, and the reason I question the offense is, Swain, to your point, you know, using more of the route tree. I mean, there's, it seems like there's a lot of this playbook that isn't being shown. I don't think it's an intentional or sandbag or anything like that. Maybe it's, you know, uh, getting the players comfortable with it, maybe getting the wide receivers, you know, on, uh, like, more familiarity with it. But, I mean, it just doesn't seem like – it just seems like it's one or the other. And, you know, I'd want to know which quarterback can complete those intermediate passes because that's where you're probably going to have to live. Um, you know, if you get an opportunity for a deep shot and it's there, you got to hit it, um, at least at a higher percentage than what we're doing right now, um, which is practically nothing. And, you know, these short intermediate passes in, in the SEC, these, these front seven are, I mean, they're going to rush four, drop seven into coverage and keep them up close to the line and give us very, very tight windows. So, I, you know, that's where I think the question needs to be is, Who's going to give us that intermediate pass game? Because we're going to have to start living in that area for a little while because the deep stuff isn't working and the short stuff isn't getting us downfield. I'll hang up and listen. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I think the deep stuff will will work. I think Cuddy Burns is right. You continue to work on that. Um, it, it will come. You can't just not do it uh, and say we can't do it. But you do have to 
be willing to do some other things when you don't hit on those. You gotta, I think you have to be able to go intermediate. And maybe our receivers, you know, are not good at that. But I would say coach him up. Make I don't, him good I don't at think that. it's an, I don't think it's really in the offense. Well, I needs, think I think it's deep ball or run RPO type stuff. And we'll, and we'll see how SEC teams and teams that we play each and every game. We'll look at our film. They'll adapt. They'll make adjustments. And Justin made a really good point bringing up SEC defenses because that's where I was going. Like Joe, I mean, uh, Hendon did a great job running the football against Pittsburgh. But do I expect him to be able to run the ball like that against some of the SEC defenses who are faster? Uh, you know, I expect it to be a little bit different. He's a good runner, so I think he'll have success. But I also am accounting for – the increase in speed that we're going to see on defense here in about two weeks. And so what happens when we start to see that? What happens when our receivers who got bump and run against Pittsburgh versus slow DBs will get bump and run versus Florida with fast DBs? Because you may not have that same separation. So you got to start running real routes and be, be real receivers instead of one-trick ponies of running go routes and catching bubble screens. So that's why I'm torn, man. I'm torn short-term and long-term because I'm weighing, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Tennessee Tech. I'm looking short-term. I see one quarterback that I would like to see, but I am looking at long-term, and I know the defenses are going to change, and what are we going to need to be successful on offense because I just don't know if – and I know it's, and I know it's hard. Like, it's hard – to always count on 10, 12, 15 play drives. Even when I played offense, we had some NFL guys on our, on our offense. It's hard. It's hard. You got pre-snap penalties. You get negative plays. Like, it's hard. It's hard. Which is why you don't see it a lot. So, uh, anyways, let's get to the phones. Let's get to uh, TC, who's in Athens. TC, good morning. What's up? What's up? Andy, is that you? <laughs> Good morning, guys. Hey, Swain, uh, you nailed it, man, earlier when you said basically Milton is is paying for uh, Garantano's sins because, I mean, that's that's bottom line, man. We're just – man, we got PTSD when it comes to quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, you would you would think Milton was here for three years making those throws, man. He was He's only <laughs> been here t- two weeks. I mean, that on Saturday when he missed that wide open, uh, I think it was the tight end over the middle that was just literally nobody within 10 yards. I mean, the fans just started booing like crazy. I was like, geez, man. I don't think Cedric Tillman Til- Til- would appreciate you calling him a tight end. Oh, is that who it was? <laughs> you know, I, I was at the game, so, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell. No, I get you. I'm missing players you. are. I'm missing But, with you. uh,. But yeah, he—I uh, mean, he just totally missed him, and everybody just started booing. I was like, "Woo!" Yeah, uh, he, uh, he's got the wrath of JG on him right now. But you know, it—it's it, interesting because I finally got to go back and, and watch the game, and uh, I, I mean, yeah, the guy can throw it a country mile. But what, what's worse, y'all? Y'all talking about turnovers this morning? First of all, they both had fumbles, mm-hmm. so those negate each other, in my opinion. So that means Hooker had one more turn turnover, an interception. Well, what's worse on third or fourth down when you got to have it, overthrowing your receiver by ten yards or throwing a pick? Throwing a pick. Yeah, but one pick in twenty-one attempts compared to five missed deep balls on ten attempts. Yeah, uh, not even deep balls, bro. We're talking just throws. Period. Listen, guys, you know, I mean, I'm not saying play. Uh, listen, I'm not saying play play Milton today. I'm I'm, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Long term and then improving. Yeah, I'm saying you. I think you're gonna need Milton later when you start playing faster SEC teams and, and better teams. It's gonna make it harder for you uh, to move the football. I'm not talking about today because today I'm saying Hendon, but I yeah. don't know if Hendon can physically, you know, be a threat to SEC defenses. You know. In a couple of weeks, that's that's my point. It ain't about right Man, now. Man, if Rick Clawson can carve up SEC defense, surely Hendon Hooker can. <laughs> hey man, Rick Rick had NFL offensive line, NFL receivers, and NFL backs. I know. I was a joke. I was just kidding around. <laughs> and an NFL bit. defense. <laughs> I'm kidding around a little bit, but.
But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like Hendon Hooker's a lot better runner than Milton. He is, yeah, he is for sure. And I that's mean, not discrediting cool, Milton. Fluid. Milton, for some reason, seems to me to run scared. Like, he, he's got those little bitty short steps. When anybody gets real, you know, within uh, a few yards of him, and uh, and almost like he's just looking to go down, which I get it. He's a quarterback. Maybe has, maybe he is looking to go down. But um, I don't really care which one plays. I just want to both play at a higher level and us win a game or two that nobody expects us to win. That's simple. That's simple right there. That's pretty simple. So, that's all I'm looking for. But anyway, um, guys, hey, I did catch real quick the, your show last night uh, with Mays Brothers and stuff. That was that was good stuff, man. Uh, I'm enjoying everything you're doing, man, and uh, just happy for you and all the success that both of you guys are having. So have a great day. Talk to you soon. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, TC. Good points. Good points by you. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go back to the phones, and um, we've got Fox Vol and then Turkey Man. Fox Vol. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's going on? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh man, just got an extra day off of work. Finally, get a call in once. Um, I had a few kind of thoughts on the game. I I didn't get a chance to watch it live because I was working, but came back and I I was kind of watching not just you know overthrows or things like that, but I think you pointed this out before. But one thing I'm noticing in general about the team that I do like is they're celebrating each other. You know, guys make big plays. It looks like they're actually going up and they're passionate. You know, they're loving on each other. Good job, good job. doesn't matter who it is. Um, But I guess the question that I had, and Swain, you would would have a lot more insight on this. I kind of go back to your, your, uh, I guess, bomb year in 2005 when the chemistry on the team was just off, right? Because the wrong guy won the job. I don't know this for sure because the, I'm the wrong, the, not. The, the wrong guy was a starter. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the one that he they the named the starter. But the team, the team was like, no, no, we want to roll with Rick. But you know, Ainge just wasn't ready yet, and he, he proved that. I'm not saying that either one of these guys are bad leaders. They both seem like they're good leaders. But from a chemistry and from an offensive flow standpoint, did you notice a little bit more juice whenever Hendon came in the game? Yeah, in the Pittsburgh game, I sure did. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was looking at. Did the team, did they kind of choose Joe, but the coaches, I mean, choose uh, Hendon, but the coaches chose Joe based upon what you said, his attributes, his, you know, physical tools. And I agree. I mean, you know, I can see that being something that, and the longer it will pay off if he can put it together. One thing I did want to point out, though, it seems like if you're and you're playing a team like Alabama, what's one thing that's always given Nick Saban trouble? A uh, good running quarterback. Running quarterbacks and also hitting those deep passes. Hitting those deep passes, sure. Um, but, I mean, like you said, until we can prove that we can, but I see – I see Hannon and the way he moves and the way he has command of the offense. Personally, I feel like just right now, not that Joe can't get there. I feel like Hinden gives the team a better chance to win. Yeah, so. right, right now. Yeah, right now. I agree with okay. you. Like that, and that's that's why I'm torn because, and I, I, I like I need I need people to understand what I'm saying here. Like right now, I want to see Hinden, but I right. understand here in a couple weeks. These defenses are going to look different, and people are going to game plan us. And we're not going to have the luxury of running an offense and not being able to hit those deep passes. Uh, we can have the runs, and I think Hendon will be able to do that. But we're going to have to throw the ball too deep. And you mentioned Nick Saban. I'm glad you mentioned that. Jordan Jefferson never beat Nick Saban. Jordan Jefferson was an LSU quarterback who could only run, who couldn't pass the football. And they didn't score a touchdown when they played the national championship in 2012. But Johnny Manziel uh, and the Ole Miss quarterbacks could run and they could throw and they had arm talent and they were able to pick up chunk plays. That I, That's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking long term, uh, a couple weeks. So maybe, 
So maybe right now, keeping if you do keep Joe in, maybe it kind of gives him those repetitions to get to that point. Like I want to see, I want to see seven and five play, and I want to see seven connect on some long throws, get that confidence in a better place. I want to see Hending go in there and make plays as well. But I want this game to be used to help Joe in the passing game build that confidence while at the same time, because you can do this against Tennessee Tech, while at the same time saying, Hendon, man, you earned the right to be the starter. You earned the right to get you know, snaps based on your performance last week. You can do both in this game. I see what you mean, man. Mm-hmm. I would not want to be the coach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. I'll catch y'all later, man. Good to talk to you. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting here saying, all right, this needs to be the quarterback moving forward. I'm saying, all right, this guy has earned the opportunity to be the starting quarterback in Hendon based on what he did against Pittsburgh. But I don't know how how long you can ride the Hendon hooker train against these SC defenses where turnovers is a concern. And I know you, we can look at the game and say, well, he had one fumble, he had this fumble. So, you know, in turn, it's, it's ties, what TC said. But fall camp, there was a drastic difference in who threw the ball in, in coverage, who made poor reads, who turned the ball in the air. And I'm telling you, that is something that the coaching staff is, is thinking about. It is why J.T. Shroud didn't play as much as maybe people wanted him to play, and he had the best arm on the team, is because he turned the ball over way too much in fall camp throwing the football. That is something that coaches – that is something that, that's in the back of the mind of coaches. So, What if Hendon just had a bad fall camp? Bro, fall camp is not one day. He came fall in, camp is two, three weeks. Correct. But – we did not hear those issues during spring. He we don't entered, play in spring. Correct. We also don't play during fall camp either. Yes, we do. We play a week we play after fall camp. After fall camp, it prepares you for the season. And the season's in fall. I, I, I'm just not sold on like Hendon just being this turnover machine when history tells us otherwise. Like, it, Bro, he, it, he it, was in fall camp. He he arrived at Tennessee with a 22 touchdown to eight interception rate. And I, I know you don't like that. I don't care what he did Virginia Tech. He ain't but Virginia why? Tech. But, that, but that's part of who he is as a player. But he, just like we saw the same issues with Joe Milton at Michigan, and now we're seeing him here at Tennessee. I don't care what he did at Virginia Tech because he's not at Virginia Tech. I care what he did here. Why? He's not doing what he did at Virginia Tech at fall camp. And so why should it matter? So far he's thrown one interception and one appearance in 21 attempts where he made Correct. a really bad mistake. And I'm step. telling you that in practice, those coaches who – who coach him every single game, every single game, excuse me, every single day, they saw a quarterback that did not take care of the football the way they wanted to. I understand Why does Virginia Tech, what he did at Virginia Tech, I matter? I, because he played in actual games against legitimate competition at Virginia Tech. Why should that not be taken into consideration? Because they're not coaching him at Virginia Tech. They're coaching him here. Okay, I, I understand that. But he did not have an issue turning the football over at Virginia Tech. Why should that not be taken into consideration? Because, Ben, what you do, good or bad, before shouldn't matter. But why? Ben, because it's a new environment. You have new coaches. You're, it's new. So, Jawan Mitchell had a great career at Texas. But that Correct. doesn't mean that he's the same player here or he's going to have the same success. You 1, should be judged on what you do today, right now, in fall camp. So Harrison Bailey had a great end of his season last year. But it doesn't matter. It's what you do in fall camp. That's how you get playing time. That's, that's, how, that's how it works. Do you think the, the, the Jeremy Pruitt coaching staff watched film of Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech and then made a decision on whether or not to – to take his commitment? Yeah, I'm sure I did. Do you, do you, do you think Josh Heupel did the same with Joe Milton at Michigan, even on top of having recruited him uh, out of high school? Yeah, they did. I'm sure you watch film on a, on a guy that you want to bring into your program. Yeah. So what you did do at the previous school does matter. What you, what you show that, that you can do at the new school based on what they see on film and their coaching, yes, it means they want to bring you in. But your lack of success – or success 
doesn't matter in terms of you getting the job. It's I what agree. you do in fall camp to prove to your coaching teammates that you deserve the playing time. So in this instance with with Hendon Hooker, the previous staff looked at Hendon and go, okay, he's better than you know guys that we have on our on our team, so we'll bring him in. And then if you're hypo, I don't know what their opinion was of Hendon Hooker uh, when they when they got the job. If they were like, uh, we don't you know, I don't know if we want this guy or not, or we're just glad that he's just here or whatever. It doesn't matter. But they did go out and get Joe Milton, and they did see the lack of success. But it didn't matter because they saw what he can do physically, and they felt like that with their coaching that they could bring more out of him. So on one hand, one was more successful at Virginia Tech, and Milton was less successful at Michigan. Neither matters to me and should matter to the coaches because it's what you did in fall camp to earn the job because the guy that was bad at Michigan is the one who earned it. I agree. Beat the guy that was bad at Virginia Tech. I agree. But my question that initially sparked this was, what if Hendon had a bad fall camp? What if Hendon had a bad fall camp? Like, like obviously he did have a bad fall camp because he turned it over in fall camp and, and he didn't win, win the starting job. But I'm saying, like, what if that was a fluke? What, 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 if, what if that's not truly him? Because – Bro, you, he wasn't that in the spring. He wasn't that at Virginia Tech. It doesn't he, matter. He showed good command of, of the offense like it, in, in, in the game against Pittsburgh, aside from the, the, the one interception in terms of interceptions. Fall camp is not one game. Fall camp is not two games or two days or one day. Fall camp is three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing something for three to four weeks the same way, you can't dismiss that as a coaching staff. And, yeah, you can have a rough fall camp and then improve and get better. So Hendon did not win the job because he did not have a better fall camp than Joe Milton. But this is why you compete every single day. This is why you practice every single day. This is why decisions are not final. Josh Dobbs wasn't the starter his first, you know, his, the first game of the season his sophomore year. But he didn't stop working. He continued to work. And then when his number was called, he was ready. So Hendon can make improvements from what he didn't do in fall camp and be better. But Hendon didn't win the job because he turned the football over too much. And that's not a fluke. That's what he did. That was a part of the decision-making process. That's not a fluke when you do something and you're evaluated for three, four weeks. That's not a fluke. You just had a bad stretch. But now you have opportunity – to fix it by looking at what you did, why you missed the job, why you were not given the job, why you didn't earn the job, whatever. And then when you do have your opportunity to either go back out there and practice or in a game, you have to take care of the football and then you make the play. So Joe was named the starter, rightfully so, because he had a better fall camp. And so with a new staff, you go off what they did in fall camp, not on what they did during the spring. Yeah, that's not – I wasn't trying to make the case against that. No, you, like you said, you're saying that Hendon was okay in the spring and he did a good job taking care of the football in, in Virginia Tech. And I'm saying that it's about what you did in fall camp that gives you the opportunity to be the starter game one and right, game two. Right, and Joe is better. And that's why we're here. I'm, yeah. just, not, I'm just not with this whole uh, Hendon hookers a, a turnover machine. Like, history tells us otherwise. Recent history says he was, which is fall camp, which is what matters. Okay. <laughs> that's what, well, that's what, 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 what matters is in, in the game, and I know you hate stats, but he has a 22-8 to eight touchdown-interception ratio in his career. So I, I'm, I'm riding with the guy that I think has more command of, of the offense over the guy who, who can't complete a pass to save his life. I'm judging the quarterbacks on the time at Tennessee. And Hooker's time at Tennessee in 30 plays, he did a pretty good job of running the offense, moving the football, um, but he had two turnovers. In Joe's two games at Tennessee, not at Michigan, not at Virginia Tech, at Tennessee, Joe uh, has too many overthrows, but he has not thrown the football where he has misreads and not been able to identify where defenders are on the football field. Um, So, there are more flaws in the game that we have seen from Joe because he has played more. We have a small sample size with Hendon because he only played 30 games. And so when, when Hendon plays more plays, I hope that 
he does outplay Joe. And I hope that we don't see, you know, one turnover, one interception per one uh, one interception per 21 attempts. I hope that we don't see that. I hope that ratio is better. Um, and I hope we don't see two turnovers per, per 30 plays either because that wouldn't be good either. So what you did, good or bad, in the past, Michigan and Virginia Tech, again, for me, it just it doesn't matter because it's about being judged today, right now, for these coaches. Um, and so far, Hendon looks better, which is why – I said, short term, I'm rolling with Hendon. But because of Hendon in fall camp, in this offense, where he has different responsibilities than he did at Virginia Tech, and he has different players around him than he had in spring, that's why I'm a little concerned when we start playing faster defenses, better defenses, who are going to get to the passer a lot faster, I'm a little worried about his ability to generate explosive plays. That's, that's my stance. I've been very clear on that. So I have a short-term guy, which is Hendon right now, but I have questions about who is the right guy long-term. That's pretty easy to understand. That's, my, that's, that's, that's where I am. And I'm banking on that for two hours a day when these guys go to practice that there's improvement. <laughs> Like, that'd be nice. That, I mean, you're saying it like, you know, you're saying it sarcastically, like, you know, like they haven't done that before, but they, they have gotten better. They've gotten better from game one to game two, and they'll get better from game two to game three, and they'll get better from game three to game four. You practice 10 hours a week on the football field, and you're going to spend another 10 to 15 hours in the film. So they're going to get better. Well, the, the team got better. I'd like to see some Joe Milton getting better from one game to the next. Well, I mean, hey, I would like to see it too. I would love to see it. We need to see it. And I think, and that's part of my point, I think this team needs a better Joe Milton to win some of these SEC games. Well, and the the truth of the matter is that Tennessee has no perfect answer. No, because we're we're shorthanded. We're well, short- I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in regards to Hendon or Joe. Like, like neither is – the, the the perfect answer. At well, I know you. I know you talking about. We just had a whole conversation about Hendon and Joe. The perfect. Uh, it's not a perfect situation because a team is shorthanded. If you had a defense that was stout, you had an offensive line that was stout. You had a running back that can take it the distance at any point of, of the game, and he was strong in between tackles, and he was NFL back, and we knew that. Then it would take less pressure off of Hendon and Joe. But we can't say that right now, which is why there's more pressure on Hendon and Joe. Yeah, I know what you was talking about. Who's on the phone? Uh, Turkey Man. Turkey Man, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's up? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my opinion on it, since everybody is doing opinion this morning. First of all, I, uh, I am surprised that Joe didn't get a penalty for intentional grounding as the way he's overthrowing. It was the flags were throwing any other refs were throwing flags everywhere. So I was kind of surprised on that. And I believe that we give Joe two games. And I believe we ought to have been 2-0. and we, we played well enough to be 2-0. and But the quarterback play affected that. I think it's no doubt about it. It should be, it should be a Hendon's. He should start. He should get the whole game if it takes it. For him to build on what you're talking about, those long throws, and build it, because Joe's had two games of that. I don't think that uh, Bailey should should be able to play. Because honestly, honestly, believe this should be a cupcake tune up game right here. And uh, I think that he could come in. I honestly believe Bailey could come in and light it up. But that would cause a problem because the fans myself included, would be saying this is what we're saying all along. So I really and truly for the team, I think it ought to be Joe, and I think it should work totally for Joe, not Joe, but uh, Hendon, and work totally for Hendon because he needs to, to build that chemistry that he said on the bench. We, we, we said on the bench 
basically he come in and got to play, but basically just a half of a game that uh, that Hendon got. And and Ben all all kept was saying the most consistent. The most consistent was Hendon that most of the time. Well my and I I believe I believe what he said was what he said. Well, what I, really I said was really that I really thought like Hendon was was going to be the most consistent. Joe Joe was the most consistent throughout fall camp, Turkey Man, which is which is why he won the job. But based off of what Hendon did in the spring, I, I thought that Hendon may may prove to be the 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 most consistent. But I was wrong. Oh, I apologize because I thought you were saying that that's what you were seeing early, and uh, and I thought at the time. Early on, and then at the final end, I think. No, I was. I was just saying we shouldn't count out Hendon because he. I based off the spring, I thought that he could prove to to be the 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 most consistent quarterback throughout okay. fall camp. Not not somebody who's going to flash with arm talent like Joe, uh, but but somebody who, based off of what he did at Virginia Tech, what he did in the spring, uh, wouldn't turn the the football over a ton. Which is why I'm surprised that that was an issue in in fall camp, but. But it, it was, see. which is why he didn't win the but, job. Really, really, though, but you, you can see, I hope you can see what I'm saying. Yes. I think this game coming up, we could win with any quarterback, basically. Mm-hmm. If, we, sure. if we didn't really just totally shoot ourselves in the foot, if we played defense like we've been playing, uh, running backs, running ball, I think we can win this. But this game we come out of, of fit, is the type of game we've got to win to be able to have a decent season against the South Carolinas, against the, uh, well, maybe even Vanderbilt now, against the uh, Kentucky's. Kentucky looks great. Uh, the, the mid the mid to upper tour, tiers, I think Pitt falls in it, in that line. And Hendon uh, could give us a chance to do that but he needs to work on the time and receiver in the game, and and he needs to he needs to, he needs to have this whole game. And if there's any mop up duty, come in and and hand the ball off and let the tailback run, and you know maybe do that otherwise. But I feel like for us to be what we need to be, especially going into Florida, because neither Hendon nor nor Joe has faced Florida before, nor you know the SEC that. We're going to, they're going to see. Uh, yep. Appreciate that phone call there, there Turkey Man. Let's uh, let's get to TriStar Vol real quick. TriStar Vol. TriStar Vol, good morning. Hey, how's it going? What's up? This is TriStar Vol. TriStar Vol, good morning, man. Uh, I wanted to call first off and say congratulations to both you and Ben for uh, been listening for a long time and seeing the growth. You guys have done in the last two years, man. It's been phenomenal. All right, thank uh, you, man. Thank you. You guys really do a good show. Um, second thing, after the uh, game on Saturday, one of your uh, – I don't want to throw his name out there, Jason, but one of the VFLs is one of your really good buddies. Uh, came by the tailgate down there at Calhoun's. And, uh, you know, we talked for a minute, and we kind of all agreed that, like just like what you've been talking about, is Milton shouldn't see the field until he gets over whatever he's got going on. But uh, uh, definitely was the first loss, I think, that I've watched and been at that I was actually not really disappointed. Um, As many players as we've lost, the changes that we've got going on, um, you know, you can see that there's growth. So uh, I think there's a lot of positives in the – you know, in the next coming years, and you hate to say that. It feels like we say that every year. But uh, And I want to end by saying Volstorm needs to keep on yelling because that's the only thing he's good at. You guys have a good day. <laughs> Thank you, man. And, yeah, I'm banking, I'm banking on improvement, man. I'm banking on improvement for Joe, and I'm banking on improvement for, for Hendon. I mean, this is why you practice every single day. You know, these guys are not just going to class and, you know, at practice walking through. that. They're practicing. They're getting after it. So they they are improving. And if Hendon can improve from fall camp, because fall camp is the reason why he was number two and he lost the job to Joe. If Hendon can improve from fall camp and improve from Pitt, because that read, it ain't it like it wasn't a, a jump ball interception. 
it was a, oh, I didn't see that dude, poor read interception. And that scares me. There's a difference between jump ball, I'm giving my guy opportunity, and my guy, you know, didn't knock the ball down, and he let the you know DB win that battle. That's that's different. But when you are misreading the coverage, that's a concern, and that was a concern in fall camp for for Hendon. So if Hendon can improve and fix that, add that with his legs, add that with ball security, running the football, and not having to miss the overthrows as Joe, then yeah, it's Hendon. Now to to the wheels fall off, but but to beat these SEC teams, man, you're gonna have to have you're gonna have gonna have to have some big plays. You're gonna have to have it. So again, I don't, I just don't care what happened in spring because the best quarterback in the spring was Harrison Bailey, and where's Harrison Bailey? He's number three. So um, it's about what you did in fall camp and. It's about improving from game one to game two, game two now to game three, and that's how you get on the football field. It's about how you do it, how you do it in practice, what you show the coaches, what you show your teammates, what type of habits do you have. Um, and I'll make this clear again. Right now, I'm like Hendon, man. Hendon, let's go, let's go. But I'm thinking long term too. I'm thinking long term about what we're going to see from the SEC defenses and where our offense is, where our personnel is, where our depth is. And I know that it's going to be tough to ask our offense to rip off 12 to 15 play drives. It's going to be tough to ask them to do that. So you got to, you got to have explosive plays. If Henny can do that with his arm and take care of the football, then he should have no problems. He'll be the guy for the rest of the year. But until he shows that, I'm until he shows that, a part of me is still torn. Like, Joe is the only guy physically who can make them throws. And we can we can, we can adjust and make some improvements in the passing game to get some of those throws completed. Still haven't done any immediate stuff, which is what Justin was saying when he called in. Uh, but great conversation. Hour three, powered by Low T Center and LowTCenter.com. Be right back. <laughs> 